Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Well, it's been a very full day. It's been a rich day. Um, several hours ago, you could not fit any more human bodies in this room. I know Pastor Gene was, was here with us for the funeral for Barbara Laidlaw, and it was absolutely amazing celebrating uh, her life. And uh, what, a, what a vessel of God, what a beautiful woman of God who stepped into eternity. And this place was absolutely packed. Um, I, I guess we could have put people on the stage, but people were out in the foyer. And it was amazing. And <clears throat> I want to thank all of you who prayed with us for Barbara's life. What a tragic accident it, it was. And we prayed and interceded for her life. And she stepped right into glory. And we're thankful that she's there. Amen. If you didn't know Barbara, if you didn't have the privilege of knowing Barbara, she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And she oversaw the uh, feeding uh, of the, the homeless, feeding of the poor here every Friday. She was an absolute delight. And it, to know her, she just radiated the Lord. She just beamed. She always smiled. She was just such a beautiful woman, a giving woman. And just wonderful to be with. Uh, I remember when our, our family moved back from Dallas, and uh, we were actually living in an RV on this campus uh, that belonged to my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. When she saw me, she was just so excited to see us and see me and love me, welcome me home, welcome our family home. And uh, she was such an amazing cook. She, she wanted to fatten me up. <laughs> she was always wanting to feed me and cook for us and cook for me and... She was a lovely, lovely woman of God. You know, when she crossed that threshold, she heard, well done, good and faithful servant. She really did. I learned so many amazing things from her family. People from all over the world today was here. It was amazing. Incredible. God is so good. What a family. Amen. What a family. What a kingdom. God is good. I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight. I'd like you to go to the book of Amos. And I'll give you time to find that. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Amos. So I'll give you a little, little bit to find that address tonight of the prophet Amos. This is a very fresh word. It's, um, it's right, out of the, right out of the oven. Not sure how this word is going to flow through me, if it's going to flow forth in fire or if it's going to flow forth like a, just a beautiful flowing river. But I sense the presence of the Lord tonight in a beautiful way. Amen? Do you feel him? Do you sense the Lord? He's here. He's really here. <clears throat> If you're in the book of Amos, I'd like you to, I didn't think I said the chapter, did I? I said, yeah, everybody's shaking. No, you did not. There's nine chapters. Go ahead and pick one that you like. I want you to go to chapter five tonight. Father, we just thank you for the power and the authority of your holy word. Your holy word. We look to your word, Lord, and we yield ourselves to it as our final authority. We thank you for the power and the revelation and the anointing upon your scriptures. I pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit to be upon the word, to feed us, to feed our spirit, man. Lord, I thank you that there is great hunger in this room tonight. I thank you that there is great thirst in this room tonight. So, Lord, let your word be rich. Take it. Strengthen the people of God tonight. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Nourish them. Stand them up. Challenge them. Sift them. Strengthen and add to them. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you tonight along the lines of justice and righteousness. I want to talk about Amos for just a few minutes before we dive right into these main verses that we're going to look at tonight. There's just a few passages that we're going to look at this evening. 
But if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to prepare yourself. If you're not preparing notes tonight, I want you to go ahead and prepare yourself as well. Amen. All right. Three people got that. So that means take notes. So I want to I want to (laughs) I want to tell you a little bit about Amos and the book of Amos. Many of you may be familiar with the book of Amos and some of you may not be. So I want I want to help all of us and. And grow tonight. Amos' name means burden bearer. And I want you to write that down. That's where we want to start tonight. Amos, his, his name literally means burden bearer. See, through the, through the testimony of the scriptures, we learn that the prophets are the one who they carry the burden of the Lord for nations. How do we learn that? We learn that through really learning the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures that Prophets are ones that, by God, God lays a burden upon their heart. You'll find that prophets are not really caught up in scuttlebutt. Amen? Prophets are having the Lord lay a measure of His heart upon their heart for nations, for people. Where they're able to, God takes them to a place where they are able to see a large vantage point. As God lays his heart upon theirs and he begins to point to them what is aching in his heart. I want to say that again. Where God, see, a prophet is able to point because God points to his own heart and begins to unveil to him what is aching and hurting God's own heart. And what happens is, is the Lord begins to brew a burden within a prophet. He carries that burden. Literally, Amos' name means the burden bearer. So that God moves upon a prophet so that that burden begins to ache within them. It becomes a cry within them for the reformation of nations, for the very transformation of nations. It's interesting. I remember in my early teen years that in the book of Amos, I would read, and I found this unique, strange verse that seemed to like just jump out and come into my young spirit. And it was Amos chapter 3, verse 7, where it talks about, Amos tells us a secret about God. And he says that God doesn't do anything unless he reveals his secrets to his friends or his servants, the prophets. So God has a unique place in his heart for these individuals. We here at Victory, Victory a Church of His Presence, we still believe in prophets. Amen? And we also believe in the prophetic role of the church being anointed to be prophetic as well. But we believe in apostles. We believe in prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Amen? So we learn about Amos in this book that he's one of the first so-called writing prophets. And he prophesied during the time of Uzziah, the King Uzziah. He prophesied during the King uh, Jeroboam's day. And although that... Amos was from the southern kingdom. You may remember that after David's son, Solomon, died, what happened in Israel with the kingship is it's like they had a massive church split. And part of the kingdom went to the north and part of the kingdom went to the south. And so there was a king named Jeroboam and he was reigning over the northern kingdom. And Amos was not from the northern kingdom. He was from Judah. He was from the southern region. But God called Amos to go into and break into the northern region with a word from the Lord. You find that in 1 Kings chapter 12 if you're looking for it. 1 Kings chapter 12. And so the northern kingdom is now under the reign of Jeroboam. And, and let me tell you a little bit about Jeroboam. He is a success, very successful leader. He is a powerful military leader. He has generated lots of wealth for the nation of Israel because he had very strong and good strategies that worked for the people. But I want you to hear this tonight. Through the eyes of God and through the heart of the prophet 
Amos, we learn an entirely different reality. Even though the, the, the nation underneath Jeroboam was, was booming with economics and, and booming with military strength and strategy, and it looked like in the natural, in, in, in the virtual reality, if you were to look in just the natural, it looked like all things were right. They were on a boom. The, 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 the economy was in the right trajectory. Everything was just going great, and, and CNN was right there to capture it. Are you with me tonight? Everything was booming. Everything was soaring. Right trajectories in the economy. Right trajectories in the military. And it looked like all things were going right, except that God was actually in the heavens, and He was bothered. And He started talking to this prophet who doesn't even think he's a prophet. He's a shepherd. <laughs> We're going to learn this in a little while. But what happened is, is through the eyes of God, God starts giving a series of visions to Amos. Hear this tonight. He starts giving a series of intense visions to Amos. And he starts seeing a, an entirely different landscape. See, if, you're a, if you become a friend of God, you're going to find yourself being in a, a, a very odd place at times. I'm trying to help somebody in here. If you're going to be a friend of God, you're going to find yourself in a very odd place and actually set against the grain of the, where, where most people are going down the stream. You're going, to, you're going to find yourself swimming upstream. You're going to see a whole different reality when God starts showing you another realm. And see, in that realm, Amos started understanding that God was bothered because God was looking at something. He was looking at Jeroboam's leadership, and all that he saw was apathy throughout the entirety of the nation. Apathy. He saw idol worship. He saw sexual immorality. He saw major injustices to the poor. And it was grieving God. And see... God takes a man or he takes a woman and he lays his heart upon their heart until they start feeling what God is feeling. You want to be such a friend of God that God can share his intentions and his desires and his dream for a nation or for a generation or for a city upon your heart. Are you with me tonight? The prophet Amos, he, he lived in a group, a group of shepherds in a, the city of Tekoa. It was a small town, if you want to know a little bit about it. Tekoa is a small town. It's approximately 10 miles south of Jerusalem. But Amos made these things clear in his writing that he did not come up. He wasn't raised in a family of prophets. He, he didn't even consider himself to be a prophet. Rather, it, the Bible tells us in Amos chapter 7, if you want to look at it, Amos chapter 7, verses 14 and 15, it says that he was a grower of sycamore figs as well as being a shepherd. What am I trying to get at? I'm telling you that he was connected to the simple life of people. This is good. you got to hear this. He was connected to the very simple life of people. And when you start reading Amos' prophecies, you realize that at the very center of his prophecies, at the very cornerstones and the pillars of his prophecy, he showed a heart for the oppressed. He was bothered. See, God was bothering him and making him bothered deep in his spirit for the outcast and those who were oppressed. He was bothering him for the poor. He was bothering Amos and showing him those that were being shown injustices. And God was raising him up to be a voice to the voiceless in the world. Historically, the Bible tells us that, again, it was a great time of prosperity. I want you to hear this tonight. Unfortunately, the people of Israel, they misinterpret their, their uh, prosperity as a sign of God's blessing. I'm going to say that again. Again, everything was booming. But the children of Israel actually misinterpreted their prosperity as a sign of God's blessing. It's a warning, isn't it? Think about that for a little longer tonight. 
Israel and Judah, they had reached now a new political, a new military height. But spiritually, they were now sinking into a great darkness. And any time when a nation is seeping into great darkness, God starts moving upon His friends and His servants to draw them close so they start feeling what He feels. See, God is actually trying to do that at a very corporate level in the church throughout America. He wants to gather them to himself so they start feeling what he is feeling so that his heart can move upon their heart so that he can actually grieve you or bother you enough to become his spokesman. What I find is that far too many people are still insulating their lives from being grieved by God. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be grieved by God. They want to hear another message that brings inspiration so they can have goosebumps upon goosebumps. More inspiration. And all the while, God has been wanting to gather us to speak a real word to us. Can we receive this tonight? I believe you can. The rich were in luxury. That's what you learn out of the book of Amos. The rich were living in great luxury. The poor were completely oppressed. And immorality was now spreading throughout Israel and throughout Judah. Don't you miss this point tonight. You may want to write it down. In this era of Israel, the judicial system was utterly corrupt. Sound familiar? The judicial system was utterly corrupted. So Amos, this prophet being groomed by God, he sets off and he travels to the city of Bethel. And he's sent there on a prophetic assignment from God. And he's sent there to tell the nation these things. I want you to hear these things with your heart tonight. Here they are. He says he wants them to know that God is not pleased with them because of their breaking of their covenant with him. You'll find that in the book of Amos. God is not pleased with them because they are breaking the covenant he made with him. Next, he tells them, God's patience has been exhausted. That's a moment of just dropping the mic. Now, some of us don't think on these terms. We, we, that doesn't even go through our mind, does it? I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, God is so good. I mean, how could his patience literally be exhausted? And yet, God has the audacity to tell Amos, my patience has come to an end. Whoa, this is sobering stuff. He also tells them this. He says that their punishment was inevitable and that the nation would be destroyed unless there was a change of heart. And the change had to come like this. And we're going to get to it in a, in, a, in a minute. God said, I'll tell you what I want. I want justice to run down like a river. I want justice to run down like water. I want righteousness to come down like a mighty stream. And then finally, he gets to the end of chapter 9 where there's actually a vision after judgment of finally God having mercy and restoring Israel. I'm talking to you tonight. Amos, when he starts prophesying, he starts targeting nations. At the front of this train, I told you, what did I tell you? God moves upon prophets and puts his burden upon them for nations. Every time you learn and study prophets in the scriptures, you're going to see they are burning for a nation, burning for a nation. So in the book of Amos, he starts prophesying. He starts prophesying to the nation of Tyre, the nation of Tyre's north in Israel. Then he starts prophesying to Damascus, which is north. Then he starts prophesying to Ammon and Moab, which is on the east side of Israel. Then he starts prophesying to Gaza, which is on the south end of Israel. But as you look at the map and you start seeing Tyre and Damascus and Ammon and all these nations, you start seeing that he's doing something strategically. 
He's actually painting a big bullseye and a big circle of all these nations, and he dials down. And you know what's right at the centerpiece? The centerpiece is Israel. And why did he do that? Because he wanted to stress here, as you read in the book of Amos, he says, Israel, you were called to be a light to the nations, and yet you're making it worse. You were called to be a light to the nation, yet you're defiling all the nations that are around you. I mean, Amos is building a huge case. He stresses that God is oppo- uh, he's opposing their religious hypocrisy. That God is tired of their games. He's tired of their sacrifices. You learn this in, in Amos chapter 5. God's so tired of their sacrifices, even their, their worship services, that just kind of stops you in your track. And he says what God really wants, the essentials of God's heart, is God really wants you to start caring for people. Because that's what God is after. Now, I don't know if that's just too practical for you. Maybe we're just on too high of a spiritual plane or a spiritual level for us to hear from God, for God to tell us, hey, you have to start taking care of others. Well, I think we need to hear it. Amos stresses that religion is far more than just observing feast, observing fast. But it's about living sacred and holy before God, and it's about looking out for others. Amos gets so practical. you got to hear this tonight. He gets so practical. It's just down to the simplicity of life. It's like, here, Amos, here's the mic, and he's just talking meat and potatoes. That's what it comes down to. It's about the simplicity of life that we are literally called to serve and take care of one another. Wow. The way that a man treats his neighbor reveals his relationship with God. The way that a man or a woman treats their neighbor reveals their relationship with God. How do we know that? Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then he said, what is the second greatest commandment? What was it? Tell me what it is. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. Very good. Love your neighbor As yourself. So I want to say it again. The way that a man or a woman treats his neighbor, it literally reveals their relationship with God. Wow. Amos stresses these things. He says that a heart-filled attitude and action is that we have to meet the needs of others. Now, I'm about to go to Amos chapter 5, and I'm about to read you a few passages tonight. And these are strong words. These are strong, this is strong, strong language from God to His people. And actually, when you read these words, it's going to stop you in your tracks, and you're going to go, whoa, wait, whoa, back up and listen really good. So in verse 21, God has got to a place where He is so bothered by what the people are doing. He says in verse 21, I'm reading out of the New King James, He says, I hate, strong words, I despise your feast days, I do not savor your sacred assemblies, though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fatted peace offerings, take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melodies of your stringed instruments, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. If you haven't underlined in your scriptures justice and righteousness, go ahead and do that right now. 
God bypasses their worship. He says, look, I'm not into your songs. I'm not into your gatherings. I want to tell you what I'm looking for. And I think that's at the core of of everyone in here. You want to get to what it's really about because that, that God has wired us that way. You understand that? He has wired you that way, that you get through all of the fluff. You shouldn't, you shouldn't look at just natural life of, of what is going on right now in our world and be so caught up and perplexed with the blowing of the leaves and the limbs blowing. No, you should be looking in the unseen realm with what's going on in the root system of that tree. Are you with me tonight? God's not looking at the blowing of the limbs. He's not looking at their leaves flittering and giving him another worship service. He's like, I'm done with that. I'm tired of that. I'll tell you what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for justice to run down like water. I need justice to hit people. I need righteousness to flow like a mighty stream. I'm telling you, it should be like a fire in your bones to hear this tonight. If there's anything that God desires for America right now, it is justice and righteousness to flow like a river. In the message translation, <laughs> the message translation, this is, this is going to hit home. Are you ready for it? Perhaps you don't have the message translation in your lap. Some of you are using your devices quickly. I see what you're doing. (laughs) Thank God for our devices. You ready for it? The message translation. Ready? Listen to these words. He says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. (laughs) I want nothing to do with your religious projects. Your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes. Your public relations and image making. I've had about all I can take with your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you want to know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That is all I want. Wow. Does that stop you in your tracks? See, Amos didn't know it. But thousands of years later, we would still be opening his visions, his poetry his words from the Lord, and it would be speaking to the very soul and the very heart of all mankind wrapping the earth. Aren't you glad he spent time with God? I want to tell you where this message started brewing. I had an experience two weeks ago. I woke up really early in the morning. Bren was already out of bed, as she normally is. She's I can roll over at 3.30 in the morning, touch her pillow. She's already up 4 in the morning, touch her. She's, she's, Snickers is following her in the prayer zone in our living room. <laughs> I woke up really early, and I reached over in the dark to find my iPhone, as we all do, see what time it was. And I picked it up, and I accidentally hit Fox News. I just turned it over, and my thumb hit Fox, my Fox app. <clears throat> and the story came up, it was front page. It was a story about a minister named Joshua Harris. He wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I remember when it came out. And, in fact, it came out, I believe, right around 1997. I actually met Joshua in Columbus, Ohio, soon after he released the book, just happened to meet him. And I remember how, book, how, how big the, the book blew up. I mean, it, I mean, it was a, God, there was so much favor on the book. It, it went everywhere. Powerful book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And it actually helped many, many people, young people, save themselves for marriage. God really used it. But the story was is that Joshua Harris was now denouncing Christianity and he was denouncing Jesus Christ. 
He was denouncing his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was now apologizing to the LGBTQ community. And now he was marching in their gay pride parades. And he was in just a state of seemingly confusion. It's front news. There was a lot to the article. I read every word. I I was just stunned. First thing in the morning, I, I, I was just stunned. I was stunned. I was stunned. I was stunned. Him denouncing Jesus. Him denouncing things he had once said. Him embracing a movement that God utterly abhors. Now, God loves people. Don't you misunderstand what I'm saying? But he hates sin. Folks, in 2019, I'm going to tell you, God hates sin. What is our response when these things happen? My first response was to pray for him. I started praying for Joshua Harris. I was so grieved by it. I was broken for him. I started praying for him. I started praying for his family. I started praying for his wife, his children, his family. Wherever he was at, I just began to lift him before the throne. This week, we had another unusual thing happen. Um, A worship leader from Hillsong named Marty Sampson. It's amazing that Marty's songs are actually like anthems in the church. They're sung in stadiums. They're they're sung in arenas. They're sung in churches all over the world, aren't they? All over the world. I mean, he's he's written masterpiece songs, masterpiece songs. They're, They're unbelievable worship songs. And yet... The, another article was released, Fox News and CNN and everybody else just grabbed, grabbed hold of this about Marty's life. And he said that he was losing his faith in Christianity. I want you to hear me tonight. Please hear and hear the Holy Spirit tonight. More than hearing Brian, hear the Holy Spirit tonight. Please hear the Holy Spirit. He said he was losing his faith in Christianity. Here, here's a young man. His songs are rapping the, the planet. And he's coming out publicly saying, I'm losing my faith in Christianity. I'm going I'm to give you a quote here. He says, it's actually time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. That's what he said. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and, and it doesn't bother me. Uh, but what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, and I'm so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment for me. So here I go. And, and how many preachers fall? Many, and no one talks about it. These are his words. These, these are not my words. These are his words. How many preachers fall, and nobody talks about it? How many miracles uh, are really happening, not many, and nobody talks about it. Why is the Bible so seemingly full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God yet send billions of people to a place all because they don't believe? And he's talking about hell. He said no one talks about it. That's not true. He said Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet, yet some of them can be the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. But it's, it's not for me. I'm not in it anymore. I, I'm, not, I'm not in it anymore. And then this post goes on and continues, and this is what he says. He says, uh, I want to know the truth that I want to know only the truth and that Christianity has now become like any other religion at this point. Now, I want to tell you right now that Christianity is not like any other religion. Christianity is a transformation from the very inside out, coming from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you that makes you a new creation. And you can know that you're a son and a daughter of the living God. You know, I want to answer this question tonight. It doesn't matter who... Look... Marty's at a crisis of faith. And you know what? A lot of people will hit a crisis of faith. How many of you did? Yeah. Many people will have a crisis of faith. I was asked February by a family member at this particular time 
How, how can you actually believe in God? This was a family member mocking me to my face. How can you, how can you actually believe in God? I said, you know what? If, if I was to start doubting the very existence of God, I would actually have to start doubting my very existence. Because God is so real to me, if he's not real, my existence can't be real. Oh, I had to come from somewhere. And I came from him. And so did you. Are you with me tonight? I'm going to tell you, folks, I want to encourage us tonight. Our first response should be to pray and lift these people up. That's our first response. That's our responsibility. We're not to throw stones at these people. Our first response is to get on our face and our knees and to pray for these people that are losing out with God and falling by the wayside and falling into deception, falling into apostasy. We, have, we, we just can't stand back and judge or, or be careless with our mouths. We have to let the compassions of God well up from within us and say, Oh God, save and deliver. Rescue to the uttermost, oh God. Are you with me tonight? God, break the clouds of confusion. God, deliver them from these delusions. Write it down tonight. Truth is never hurt by questioning it. Truth is never hurt by questioning it. Truth is never hurt by examining it. I want to tell you tonight, church, God is not on trial. God is not on trial just because there are people that are confused and having deep inner turmoil and questions within them. God's not on trial just because people have questions. He said some leaders, I mean, leaders are falling everywhere. Uh, Yeah, but I can tell you this. uh, Far more leaders are faithful and hold their integrity and their character before God than those that are falling. I mean, I can tell you after 25 years of ministry experience, there are more ministers holding their integrity, holding their character before God and taking the flag and running forward far more than there are those compromising and falling out. Just because a church has best-selling albums that wrap the earth doesn't mean everything is okay. I want you to hear my heart tonight. I want you to hear my heart tonight. Just because a church has albums that are wrapping the world, just because we've got worship movements right now in the earth that have favor doesn't mean that they're running accurately in their integrity or character or theology before God. You need to hear this tonight. Many of you don't know, I remember, I remember the day six years, six years ago when I pulled up Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong, preaching at a C3 conference in front of 27,000 people that told the crowd that we believers who worship Jehovah and Muslims who worship Allah, that we actually worship the same God. That was six years ago. After that falling out from from the statement that went through that stadium and hundreds of thousands were watching live around the world, what you don't know, or maybe you do know, maybe you're in the know, is that Hillsong worked and went immediately to YouTube, scrubbing it, spending thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to scrub it and erase it from YouTube. They were in a war, and he had to come out and try to defend what he said. It was already out there. Marty is a a son of this house. See, when deception is in the camp, folks, people can go everywhere and do anything. I don't think you just heard that. Just because people have favor, just because worship movements are putting out great music, listen, (laughs) 
I rarely talk about it. I rarely talk about who I've had the privilege of sitting with behind closed doors. I rarely talk about the favor that God has given me. I, I, I try to avoid it. Because the reason is, is because people get really weird and fickle in the church. They just want me to bring in people of notoriety and do a conference. We, I mean, for goodness sakes, we had Bill Johnson, we had Tommy Tenney in the region. We had people attack us and denounce us for having Bill Johnson. I mean, you, you have no idea. I mean, it's like everybody we've tried to bring in, me and my little wife were attacked over, over, over. It didn't matter who we brought in. But you know what? After that conference, we came back to our little 130 people. And we kept doing life. And we kept moving forward. And we kept our head down. And we kept praying. We just kept before God. See, look. You can worship people and be their fans. You can be fans of these people, but unfortunately, just because they're selling albums doesn't mean that they're walking in truth or walking even in integrity. I know worship leaders that will go, they will go on God TV and they will sit on the couch and be interviewed and be famous and they will leave and go to the bar and they will drink with everybody and get completely drunk and, and drop $2,500 of the ministry's money in a bar and they can barely get into the cab and go home. And you think I'm playing right now and God knows I'm not. And it's happened, and it's happening. And God sees it all. God sees it all. And, and I'm going to tell you, listen, again, I, I, I'm being cautious right now. God is looking for something. Sometimes we... We enter into this silly masquerade because we think we have favor. We, we think we have prosperity. We think we have money. We think we have whatever. And we think because we have that, especially in the body of Christ, that everything's okay. And God is not winking at sin. He doesn't do it. God forgives sins when they are repented of. Aren't we all thankful? Brian Gibbs is thankful. God does not wink at sin. God forgives sins when they're repented of. But when Amos was finally released into the northern kingdom and he stood before them, he's saying, God is calling you to repent. God's calling you out of your sin. God is calling you out of this injustice. He wants justice and righteousness to start flowing like a river. Can we keep moving? I want to encourage you tonight. Don't be deceived in this hour. Don't be deceived in this hour. You enjoy people's music. You be a fan, whatever, but brother, the final authority of your life better be the anchor of God's word. I am so grieved by people that have favor and stand on platforms and then have the nerve to stand up and basically just denounce Christ. Can I ask you a question? Why would somebody do that? Why? I mean, I mean... If, 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 you're, if you're disenfranchised with Jesus, if you're cutting out from Christianity, why don't you just go away silently and just go fishing? Buy some good tackle, get yourself a boat, go out in the woods and go fishing. And let people forget about you. But they're not. Isn't there something weird about that? That people are taking platforms to denounce Jesus and announce that they want to embrace movements that God is absolutely against. Some of you could be a little nervous right now. See, if we, if we kept going down the road of Hillsong, God wants to torch and clean that house of all the lesbianism and all the homosexuality going on in that church. See, God, God is a loving, faithful God. But you know, it's, you know what's very interesting? 
is that God tells Amos, my patience has come to an end. I mean, folks, we can't play games with God. This is not a popular message. I mean, you know, most of you are hanging on, you know, for dear life, for letting me be your leader. You know why? Because a lot of people aren't running to hear these messages. They're not running to hear most of the messages that I preach at Victory. And I'm not trying to make myself whatever. I'm just telling you, I'm appointed unto God to to give what he's telling me to give. And it's got to be the word. It's got to be the word. People in Israel in the north, they were enjoying unparalleled times of success. But God decides to call a quiet shepherd. A quiet shepherd. A farmer. He says, I want you to travel from your home, and I want you to carry this message of judgment to the Israelites. And the people of the north, this, you know what's amazing? The people of the north, they use Amos' status as a foreigner to excuse themselves and ignore the message of judgment and their multiplicity of sins. I want to read verse 24 again. I'm still in Amos 5. But let justice run down like water, and righteousness like a mighty stream. Righteousness. This Hebrew word here, it literally means right relationship, but it also means right relationship with God and man. God wants a righteousness that we're in right standing with God, but we're also in right relationship with one another. That's the kind of relationship and righteousness that he was longing for for the nation. God was saying, I want you in right relationship with me, but I want you in right relationship as a people. Because that's a healthy society. God's in the society. God's in the healthy society. Then we go to this word justice. And in the Hebrew, this is what it means. It means concrete actions. Listen. That take you, that, that take to right injustices that are happening. I want to say that better. Mess that up. It's concrete actions. What, what is it? I want justice. If God is saying, I want justice, he's saying, I want concrete actions that will take you right to the injustices and cause them to be changed. Psalm 89, verse 14. Psalm 89, verse 14. Are you there? Is it behind me? It's coming. (laughs) By faith, it's coming. Psalm 89, verse 14. It says this. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and faithful go before your face. Hear it again. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and faithfulness go before your face. Ah. See, in 1 Kings chapter 12, I want you to hear this tonight. I want to give you a little bit more of the story, and I'm about there. 1 Kings chapter 12, see Jeroboam. Jeroboam has set up two golden calves for people to now come and worship. Two golden calves to worship. They were demon gods. These demon gods, they had a name. Asherah, Anat, and Baal. Asherah, Anat, and Baal. These were the demon gods that they were worshiping in the northern region. There were two golden calves that he had set up because Jeroboam did not want them going down into Jerusalem in the southern kingdom to worship. So he set up all this idol worship, this idolatry to keep them up there and keep them under control. So God looses the prophet to go. And he begins to speak against social injustice. Social injustice. Can, I, can we just pause right there? Are you hearing that? Amos is a prophet speaking out and crying out against social injustice. And it's amazing that the church universally is so silent in this hour and scared to step into the war zone of social injustice. 
They just want to they just want to sit in churches and hear good old gospel messages, but don't want to be involved in the fight and in the warfare that it's actually going to take to turn this nation back to God. Folks, something has got to change. He's crying out against sexual immorality. He's crying out against slavery. (laughs) He's crying out against abusing the poor. In chapter 5, verse 4, God says, Seek me and you may live. Seek me and you may live. In verse 14, he says, God says, Seek good and not evil that you may live. I want you to see that correlation. The correlation is honoring God and honoring people. Seek me, God says, and then seek good. Don't seek evil. But unfortunately, 40 years later, in 2 Kings chapter 17, 2 Kings chapter 17, 40 years later, Amos' prophetic word of judgment now comes to pass. And the Assyrian army come in and whoop their tails and drives Israel into exile. Wow. Amos is dealing with some serious issues here. You know what he's dealing with? He's dealing with God's mercy and God's justice. See, and we know this. God wonderfully dealt with the injustice of sin upon us. By sending forth his son so that mercy can triumph over judgment. Because Brian David Gibbs deserved judgment. Brian David Gibbs deserved eternity in hell without God because of my sin. But God, who loved Brian, sent forth his son so that his mercy could triumph over judgment. You see, folks, the good news is this. God is always trying to avert judgment. Always. That is the good news. God is always trying to avert judgment. Never wanting to pour out judgment upon a nation or a people. He desires mercy. Hmm. I want you to write this down tonight. See, worship... Worship should lead us into a revelation of loving God and loving others. <laughs> it sounds too simple, doesn't it? Oh, I, I, that's not too sexy. I don't want to tweet that. That doesn't really sound deep. Well, worship should actually lead us into a revelation of loving God, but also loving others. Our relationship with God should manifest in how we love others. I remember years ago when a friend of ours came in and he said the test of every relationship, the test, excuse me, the test of every revelation is born in the soil of relationships. The test of every revelation is born in the soil of relationships. And you know how it's tested? It's tested, number one, between you and God. Secondly, it's tested between you and others. Brian, how, how do I apply this tonight? I, I'm hearing all these things from the Lord tonight. I'm he- you're preaching, and I'm hearing all of these things from the Lord. How, how can I harness this and apply this? I'm glad you asked. Can I wrap it up? Somebody say, wrap it up. Go ahead and say it. Wrap it up. <laughs> how do I apply this? I want to apply it tonight with balance. And that's not a word that I really like. I think that we have wasted so much time of our life trying to be balanced. Balanced is not found in a person. Balance is found within a body. Balance is found by hanging on to one another. Balance is found by hanging on to one another. That's a body. Cody, come here. Jerry, come here. Put, just put your hand in the center. Like that. Just now hold on to each other. Now lean back. Now just lean back. You see that? What what did we find? We found balance. Do you see that? But we found balance because we were rightly connected. Balance is not found in Brian. (laughs) Balance is not found in Cody. It's not found in Jerry. It's found when we hold on to one another and because balance is in the body. That's a good word right there. 
But how do you apply it? I want to apply this tonight with balance. And I'm wrapping up. And I'll be done in a minute. Two, three minutes. (laughs) Thanks for hanging on tonight. I feel you hanging on. Everybody recognize that injustice is permeating our world right now. How many of you see that? Injustice is permeating the world right now. I want to say to you tonight that as Christians, we cannot turn a blind eye to the suffering of other people. We cannot turn a blind eye to suffering people. The gospel, it has to be tangible by touching another life. Listen, hear me good. Amos, Amos made it. You, you read nine chapters. It won't take you long. But he has something at the core of him that he says, have your prayer, but you better have your corresponding actions of compassion. James did the same thing. He said, you show me your faith and I'll show you my actions. It's not either or. It's not either or. You can't lock yourself in a prayer room and then, and then not go out and serve people. Something's wrong with that. Something is incredibly imbalanced with that. When God is saying, I want to save a society, that means that he needs you to get out and serve them. The book of Acts, or excuse me, the book of Amos. <laughs> I love the book of Acts. The book of Amos, it reminds us of this central part of the believer's life. We have to serve others. We have to defend others. We have to fight for others. You have to fight for others. I don't see all of you all the time, but you don't know that I'm fighting for you. I don't see you all the time, but I'm fighting for you. And I'm fighting for your life. And I'm doing it in my place of prayer. Sometimes I'm with you. Sometimes we're together. Sometimes we have great fellowship. Sometimes we have chips and salsa. Sometimes we, whatever. But I'm fighting for you in my place of prayer over your life and over your destiny and over your soul. You've got to learn how to serve and fight for one another to raise each other up. The prophecy that Amos gave, it's not choosing between prayer and service. They're both essential. I want you to hear this tonight. God, oh God, help me. God has called Christians not only to be in relationship with him, but also to be in relationship with others. Christians who have a tendency to focus more on the invisible God. I wrote this today and I just had to read it again. Christians who have a tendency to focus more on the invisible God than focusing on the visible creation have to get things imbalanced. If you're just looking, look into the Lord, look into the Lord, but you're not looking in the tangible world that God has called you to go and invade, something's wrong. All of us come in here so that we can be fed, we can be equipped, equipped, we can be loved, we can be served, we can, we can serve others, we can do all that. But we go out of here to make sure we go and we contend for the breakthrough of another. You've got to see the visible need that is right in front of you. This is not about just this moment because the Holy Spirit's going to keep using this word. And, 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 and maybe one day you're going to just grab a hold of Amos in the next week or two. or You're going to go deep sea diving into this and the Holy Spirit's just going to begin to get on you in the realm of things that he has called you not to let go of. He wants to mess with you. The Holy Spirit wants to mess with you. The Holy Spirit wants to disturb you. 
He wants to give a holy dissatisfaction on the inside of you so that you get stirred, so that you begin to turn and pray. And when you turn and pray, you start praying like this, Oh God, how do you want me now to go? You don't just go to prayer. You go to prayer and you start saying, God, how do you want to send me? How do you want to use me? Where should I go? What shall I now say? That's how it happens. You go to prayer. God works with us in all of our weaknesses and all of our frailty, you know, frailness and all of our stuff. And he stands us up and he makes us bold as lions. He puts his spirit inside of us and he makes us fierce as sons and daughters. But he also says, now I've got a commission for you. It's time for you to go. And I want to close with these words tonight. As you go, as you go, the throne of God is within you. And the foundation of the throne of God is two things. It is justice and it is righteousness. And that's what God wants to flow like a river from your life and my life. Can you stand tonight? Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.